You're listening to Beltway Beef, official commentary from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association's Washington, D.C. office. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Beltway Beef podcast. This is Ashley, and today I'm joined by Margaret Ann Smith. Uh, We're excited to have her on the show today to talk all about the Halls Act and some of the important work that she's done on this issue uh, right alongside NCBA. So welcome to the podcast, Margaret Ann. Thank you for having me. We are excited to kind of dive into this conversation, but first just want to hear a little bit about your background and about how you started your business. So I'm from a multi-generational operation, um, and I returned here to the family operation in 2003 after graduating from Kansas State University and kind of started uh, working alongside, um, who is now my other half, uh, started working alongside him um, with his cattle shipping business. And we've grown that and continue to grow that. And we ship cattle anywhere from um, New Mexico through New Hampshire. Um, So we cover about 22 states on a monthly basis where we ship cattle into. So we uh, buy throughout the mid-Atlantic states and then send most everything into the Western states. And, you know, how did you get the inspiration for starting your company? Where did that come about? So I come from a long line of cattlemen. Um, like I said, I'm sixth generation and my family has always been um, in cow-calf for what, for what I remember. Um, I have a family friend who's a mentor to me in many ways who actually made uh, one of the most sound and sage pieces of advice I've ever received and I still use it today. And I've had the chance to share it with some of my friends through the Cattlemen's, Cattlemen's Association that his comment was, you need to find something to add to the pie, not take away from the pie. And so with that came kind of, I started developing our feeder cattle arm and what we do with the cattle procurement side and, and just kind of grew that. It fit hand in hand with what we already did with our row crop, the hay and the cow calf operation. So that is uh, probably the most sound piece of advice I've been given and uh, really took it to heart. And, and really that was where it started was that the feeder cattle fit in with what we do. Great. Yeah, no, that's great advice. And I feel like advice that we can all learn from. So, um, you know, just to dive a little bit more into um, the Halls Act and and the importance of it, you know, as I was thinking about this podcast and and getting excited to have you on as a guest, I started to realize we talk a lot about, you know, farm to table. And we talk about um, how food is produced and the way it's grown. And then we talk about consumers purchasing it in the grocery store. But I feel like the part that we oftentimes forget is how that food gets from the farm to the table. And so can you talk about the importance of haulers and then also some of the struggles and, and challenges that they face? Sure. So I, I agree completely. I think we do forget that very, very important component of how our products move uh, through even through the different segments, not only to the consumer, but even between here as the cow-calf producers on the eastern coast and eastern seaboard to the feeders and the grow yards in the central states, and then how we move to the packer and how we move back to the consumer. We would be lost without those truck drivers. Um, I think the statistic right now is that we have about a 60,000 uh, shortage, 60,000 driver shortage in the United States. And that is a lot of people that we need more drivers for. And it's amazing how the product moves. And if you take how many times an animal moves in its life, so you take just even from a very basic standpoint, from the cow-calf producer to the, either the buying station or the stockyard, it moves again by truck from there to say Kansas or Nebraska or Oklahoma, then moves again from the, either a grow yard or a grazer to the finishing yard. And then again, from the finishing yard to the packer and then the finished product moves on. So if you take five to six times that animal is impacted by the trucking industry, I don't think we always uh, resonate that that our issue is their issue. Um, or excuse me, their issue is our issues. 
um, it, it is truly a, an important, huge component of it that um, that we need all the assistance of making sure that we have the operational ways and easy ways to get this product moved around this country. Yeah, well, that that's very helpful background and kind of just segues right into, um, can you talk about what the Halls Act is? And, and now that it's been introduced in the Senate, can you talk about the importance it'll have to the industry? Sure, sure. Um, so the Halls Act, we're so excited to see it has been introduced and that uh, we look forward to getting more folks to sign on with it. Um, so the Halls Act uh, will give us some more um, flexibility to handle a perishable live commodity. Um, for example, it's going to eliminate some of the seasonality. So we have some exemptions available for your hauling during your harvesting periods, but this expands this for us that have livestock that are in harvest periods are a little bit different. Um, the, probably the most important part and the thing I hear talked about the most between the truckers and then those of us that are producers is the 150 mile exemption to add it both not only on the front end, but also in the back end. So you take, um, for what I do for a living, when we're brokering and shipping cattle west, sometimes those drivers may have to uh, change destinations because of weather event or a uh, whatever may have happened along the road. I mean, you're talking cattle that are leaving here and going away a thousand to 1200 miles, something may happen or change in their before they get their destination and we need to change where they're gonna unload those cattle. And they may be so close, maybe within 50, 60 miles and the way the rules are written currently, they have to stop. That's not feasible when you're just that need another hour to get the cattle unloaded rather than waiting for 10 hours to get the cattle unloaded. Um, it, becomes, it becomes really part of an animal welfare issue there. It's, it's the right thing to do for the animals is to let us go another you know, hour, hour and a half, whatever 150 miles gets you. Um, the other pieces of, of clarifying agriculture definition is, is saying what we are as agriculture and giving us um, this, these exemptions under for hours of service for us as an agriculture commodity. Um, so that's, that's kind of the, the brief overview of it. Um, one of the things I think that has been so um, interesting coming from the pandemic, um, hopefully we're coming out of this, is that we've been working under an exemption for, for the last 14, 15 months. And we have proven that we are capable and competent to get those animals out the road safely and in a timely manner by using the exemption. So this helps us bring the exemption over into a permanent place. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, all really good background and, and all really helpful to know. And I think the one thing that I really wanna point out that you said is safely. Um, yes. You know, no matter what, those haulers are going to make sure that they're being safe on the roads, that those animals are safe, and this additional flexibility just really allows them to do that. Yeah, it does. It does. It allows them to do what's right for themselves and for the animal. Um, and, and you have to remember, our drivers are very, very special and very unique um, and have a different skill set than a freight hauler. Um, they have to handle their product. They have to be trained in animal and BQA or you know, beef quality assurance or the transportation quality assurance. They have to have those type of certifications in order to be able to haul. And they, they know what they're doing to make sure that animal gets there safely. Um, and if you, know, you take the middle of the summer and we're in very, very hot situations, very high humidity, they know they need to get that animal there very, very quickly and get the animal off a truck and on the ground. Um, it's for everybody's, it's for the safety of everyone on the road. Um, it's also a logistical piece that we don't spend a lot of time talking about is that there's not a lot of places to unload cattle safely along their journeys. I mean, you take the major interstate highways for us is Interstate 64 and Interstate 70. There are not a lot of places that you can take the amount of cattle that move from east to the west and unload into a facility safely and 
reliably and be able to get them back on the truck and everything else after the 10 hours. Um, so there, there's a lot of components that just don't work logistically for us um, as an industry because it is a live animal. Um, it's, and it's also, you know, we, we often hear, well, use team drivers. And, and I have said this several times in some congressional offices, um, I've asked, do you have a friend that you want to ride around the country with for 24 hours a day, seven days a week in the cab of a vehicle? And most congressional staff will tell you no. And that's how the truckers feel too, is there's very, very uh, unlikely that you have someone you work so well with that you want to be that cozy with for that many days of a week. Um, so it doesn't, that's, doesn't, that's a logistic that doesn't necessarily work in our industry. And then we also, the way we're set up and the way those trailers are, you can't dock those trailers. You can't drop the trailer and rehook up. Um, it's just not a safe or a logical thing to even try to do. Well, I think everything you just said is really important context for people to know and, and for lawmakers to know when they're making these decisions. And so I think those are things, though, that you wouldn't necessarily know unless you're in the business every single day. I think certainly your expertise and, and your background helps you talk about it so well. And I know that you have other colleagues and, and people that you work with that can also share their story in this same light. So how would you encourage our listeners who are involved in the industry in this way to share their story? What are some things that they can do um, to help people understand why this is so, so important? Sure. I think obviously the, the first and simplest is to start locally. Start even with your, your state, your general, your general assemblies or your state legislatures and have conversations there because there are even exemptions that are allowed on the state levels, even if you're only transporting in your state. But the next thing is to start those conversations, start making other producers aware that we need to address this as an industry and we need everyone to address this. And then make those phone calls to our, Congress, our congressional folks, um, whether it be a congressman or his staff or aides or even the um, senatorial staff, start talking to them, explaining why we, what we do is so different than those that are hauling toilet paper or hauling, hauling computers down the road. We, we just are so unique in, in what we are faced with. And, and like I mentioned before, you know, the fact that our drivers actually have to handle, physically handle their product. Um, you know, if you're hauling computers, they're loaded on a freight, they're loaded on a pallet, and they're pushed in on skids. Our guys have to actually get in the compartments, unload, push, move cattle around, and have to be able to understand how to handle them. So we are so, so limited in the number of people that you know have that desire or even have that knowledge background to be able to do it and we need to be able to make sure that we're conveying that to our folks in congress that this is what makes us different um, we're not asking for this exemption on a whim this is a very very um well studied issue um and in time proven um these guys and I would also say most of the drivers that, you know, we load a lot of trucks every week and the drivers are unique even of themselves. Um, their, their bodies are adjusted differently and they are used to this lifestyle. Um, just like someone who works factory work becomes used to working shift work. Um, so it, everybody kind of accustoms to it, but as producers, we just need to make sure we are having those conversations every chance we get anywhere and everywhere, whether it be at your local sale barn cafe and making sure another producer is aware, or if it's at a um, tele meeting with your congressman, make sure they're aware that this is an issue that we need their support for. Yeah, well, I think that's helpful for people to know and appreciate you just in encouraging our listeners to make sure that they're telling that story that's so important because uh, we're excited about the introduction of the bill, but we know that there's still a lot of work ahead and, and still a lot of time and, and need to tell the story of the industry and the needs. So 
really appreciate you being on the podcast today. You certainly shared a lot of really helpful information with our listeners, and we just appreciate you taking the time. Well, thank you for asking me, and make sure everyone reaches out to their congressional staff and asks them to co-sign. This has been another episode of Beltway Beef, official commentary from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association's Washington, D.C. office. Don't forget to check us out online at policy.ncba.org or catch the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify at Beltway Beef, also on Twitter at Beltway Beef. We'll see you next time.